0: Chapter 5 of The Blue Star by Fletcher Pratt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blue Star, Chapter 5 Night, Generosity, Treason. She was less cooing than before, having learned of the closing of the city gates and the price on Lalette. For the first time, she knows what it is to be a conspirator, Rodvard thought. There was a self-sacrificing debate over where to sleep, for the singer had only the one bed, and tried to insist that the pair use it, or at least share it with her. In the end, Rodvard composed himself across a pile of old garments on the floor. They smelled he felt ill-used, and went to sleep wondering rather desperately what to do about money. That problem became no easier with the morning, when Madame Kaja said her own funds were very low and she could not receive her pupils while the two were there. As she was going out, Rodvard gave her his last silver spada, whose break-up would keep them nourished for a couple of days. Lalette added that she was much concerned over her mother, could the singer obtain news. Hardly had the receding footsteps left the first flight, when Rodvard, burning inwardly with anxiety, suspense, and the thought of another do-nothing day, which combined to translate themselves into desire, swung the girl off her feet in his arms and bore her toward the bed without a word. She struggled a little, and the blue star told him she was not very willing. But the contact of their bodies soon caught her, She only asked to be careful of her dress as she pulled it off, and Madame Codge's voice said, "'Oh!' Rodvard rolled over, blood running hot through his cheeks. "'I am so sorry,' the older woman said. "'I was going to the service, and found I had forgot my book of days. But you must not mind, really you must not.' When I was in the opera, his majesty used to make three of us attend him together, and when the heart speaks... Rattling like a broken music-box in terms that Rodvard scarcely heard, as she crossed the room to take the Book of Days and left again without looking at them directly. Lalette, feeling as though she had bathed in a sewer and never wanted to touch anything clean again, took her dress to put it on. When Rodvard touched her shoulder... She shook his hand away and said simply, No. It was my fault, he said. And I regret, no, I am the one most to blame. It does not matter now for any reason. Her mouth moved and she looked down, tying laces. Dear God, what your fine friends will think of me. I should have accepted Count Cludy's offer. At least... I would have been well paid for the name I'll have. He felt himself flush again. "'Well, if they call you any name you do not wish to have, it will be your own fault,' he said. "'I have offered you marriage.' "'Ah, yes, indeed, with me furnishing the priest Spada for the ceremony.' "'And I will hold to the offer. Demoiselle, you are not just.' she turned and sat down feeling suddenly weary bidden with the edge of concern about her mother so that it was not worth while to quarrel he made one or two beginnings of speech but could settle on nothing worth saying moved about the room clanking the coppers in his pocket and looked out the window picked at one or two keys of the music in a manner that showed he had no training with it found a book of Madame Codge's, and, standing, skimmed a few pages, then set it down. Resumed his pacing. Abandoned it. Walked to where he had placed his few belongings on a chair, took his own book, and settled himself purposefully to read, in a position where his face was mostly in shadow from her. The angry shame had run off Lalette now. She could only see that he was truly unhappy. After a little while she ran across the room, put her arms around his shoulder and kissed the side of his face. "'Rodvard,' she said, "'I really meant it all. If you want me, you may have me any time you wish.' He swung her down to his lap, but, now afraid of interruption, would go no farther than kissing her and holding her close. So for a long time they remained thus lip to lip speaking a little to exchange memories of things pleasant in their few meetings and not noticing they had missed a meal until they heard madame Caja's step outside the door which this time she made firm enough to give them warning the singer began to talk at once about the service and how as the chanters intoned the celestial melody and the violet vestments fluttered among the flowers that fell from the galleries to crush fragrantly beneath the worshippers knees she could feel every power of evil roll from her mind, though the second baritone was flat in the musana, oh, if only the court could have religion in its heart, as the poor people do, who sat with tears in their eyes, she smiled suddenly on Lalette. I spoke to my own priest too, for you. I know you must have a confession to make by now. She held up outspread fingers before her face and tittered through them. "'So I made up a story for you about a jealous husband, and he will hear you after dark, when all's safe, and you won't have to pay but a copper or two. Lalette looked up. "'But there's no confession to make. Did you find out about my mother?' Rodvard saw Madame Codge's eyes open wide and felt the cold stone. She was not believing Lalette at all, and for some reason was desperately frightened that the girl should lie. "'Oh, you poor child,' she said. "'It was so unthinking of me to forget to tell you. I did not find out much, but I know the provosts have not taken her, and Count Clouty is not as ill as pretended. That is only a story.' She set down packages of food a dish of lentils with bread and wine, began to make ready the table, keeping her eyes averted so Rodvard could not read her thinking. It came to him that he would not be the first star-bearer she had met, as she talked rapidly about the service once more. The priest had said that when any one admitted evil to his heart, peril lay upon all persons approaching the lost one. For these powers of evil increase like mice in a granary, running from one soul to another, and as farmers will often burn an old grain-bin to keep the vermin from spreading, so it is lawful and even necessary to destroy the body of one infected by the powers of evil. He was talking about this poor child here, it was easy to see. Rodvard, to whom this was interesting, if somewhat questionable discourse, would have inquired more as she paused for breath. But Lalette, who found it more than tiresome, broke in to ask what of the city, what of the hunt for her. Oh, they have opened the gates again, though I did not go to see, and put guards everywhere. But it will be all right. Have I ever recounted to you, friend Rodvard, that I was in arrest once myself? It was because of that Orinari who was so jealous because I could carry the high note in the Mayor Lovers while she could not, and had accused me of stealing some of the jewels that were loaned for the Spring Festival performance. I felt very badly about it, because she was a friend of mine, but it's just as the priest said, the power of evil had gained control over her, and there was nothing I could do but complain to the Baron Kospol, who was my protector then, and he had her banished the She stuffed food into her mouth, masticating noisily as she babbled. Rodvart caught a flash of Lalette's eye, and knew she was thinking how thin the veneer of half a lifetime around the court was over someone with a peasant's background. To change things he asked, "'Madame, is there any word of the doctor?' "'He did not send the fruiterer from his street?' She sighed and turned to Lalette then it is likely that he has no money as yet. He is so good and kind and works for so little that it is often so. Dear child, have you no funds at all?' said Lalette. "'Only two spadas. But I took all the money in the house when I left, and my mother. Dear child, of course we all love our parents and do all we can for them.' "'But, after all, they are only our relatives by accident, and not the choice of the heart.' She smote her breast in the gesture Rodvard remembered. "'And when the heart speaks, God dwells in us to drive out the powers of evil. Then we are grateful to those who speak to us through the heart, and if we have anything we give it to them. I denied the heart once.' "'Your pardon,' said Lalette, and stood up to leave the table.' Her face was a little white. Madame Kaja finished the last of the wine and wiped her mouth. "'I know it is hard for you, being of the witch family, dear child,' she said. "'But Uncle Tutul, who is the priest we are going to see tonight, says that even a witch may save herself if she gives up everything to those she loves. And, oh, my dear, I really do not mind missing my pupils. But—' Lalette's mouth strained. She stood up and plucked from her waist the tiny purse. "'Here,' she cried, "'are the Spadas,' and flung them ringing silverly against the plates. "'Take them. I am going to the provosts myself. To be seduced I will. It was my fault. But I will owe no obligation for it.' She turned to the door so fast that Rodvard barely barred the way before her. "'No!' said he, as she tried to push him from the way. "'You shall not go like this.' Their hands caught, and she struggled for a moment. "'Or, if you'll say you do not love and never will, go, and I will join you before the deacon's court. But it was another tale that you told lately.' Said Madame Kaja. "'Oh, dear child, you must not resist such love.' She tittered, and the nerves of both the others jangled. Lalette sat down. I am at the mercy of you two," she said. Mercy, mercy! The singer's bracelets clanked. Ah, no, we are at yours and seek to help you at your own risk. Not so, friend Radvard. She swung to face him for an unguarded moment, and he was staggered till he must grip the table edge at the blast of hate for Lalette behind her eyes. There was a strange mother-thought in it, too. He could not make out the detail. Kudja's glance went restlessly on across the room. She stood up in her turn, saving. "'I do not know the hour. My watch is being repaired. But I am sure by the dimness outside it must be late. And Uncle Tutul is waiting. Demoiselle Asterhax "'No. I shall call you Lalette. It is so much more friendly. Will you come?' Rodvard thought, if I let her go, everything will arrange itself to my utmost advantage. Moritzel, he said, "'do not go out this evening. There is no—' Madame Kaja tittered at once. "'Ah, friend Rodvard,' she said, "'if you'd have women kind to you, you must remember their names. Will you come, Demoiselle Lalette? Even if there's no confession—' It will be a joy to hear Uncle Tutul's discourse. Rodvard, Lalette, I beg you, by all you have said this day and all we hope for in the future, do not go out now. I have a reason." He reached one hand and took hers, as she looked at him, wondering why he was so vehement in such a small matter. A child's look, with trust in it. Well, then, and she sat down again. A glassy smile appeared on Madame Kaja's face, and she shook one finger at Lalette as she hurried to the door. "'You naughty Rodvard! She will certainly have a confession to make before I return.' And her steps were audible, going down. Lalette's hands lay listless in her lap. For a minute there was silence, in which she rose, walking slowly to the window to gaze out and down, not turning around. What is your reason, and who is Maritzel? He had begun to make up his bundle with quick fingers, the volume of Iron Dostel inside. "'We must leave here forthwith. The blue star. She will do you a terrible harm if she can.' "'You have told me nothing I did not know without that bit of witchery. A pattern would be useless against her, though. She is too close to the church. Rodvard,' "'What will you have?' He pulled the edge of the cloak tight. "'I am sorry I said what lately I did, about being seduced. Will you forgive? I do not wish to be a shrew, as my mother said, and I will say that I do not regret what we did.' He dropped the knot half made and ran over to her, but she shifted in his grasp, pointing. "'Rodvard!' Down the line of her finger he saw hurrying figures pass the lantern at the gate of the street Cassau. Impossible to miss Madame Kaja, or the priest, or the provost with bare alerted sword. Said Rodvard, I did not think her so quick in her grimness. Is there another stare? Not that I know. I am sure not. No escape. Oh! That cannot be true." "'Life is to those who struggle for it,' says Dr. Remagorius." He threw the latch and pushed the window outward. Not a foot down lay a broad rain-gutter, which, being proved solid by foot-weight test, he went three rapid steps across the room to sling his bundle over one shoulder, stepped out cautiously, caught a grip at the edge of the dormer with his right hand, not daring to look down into the dizzy dark, and stretched the other to Lalette. "'Come.' oh i come he could feel her shiver dreadfully as she took the step she almost tripped over her dress on the sill but once out it was she who stretched to the limit of his restraining hand to swing the window closed by good fortune it was a suave spring night rodvard could see stars past the rim of the house as they edged rightward free hands pressed against the slates of the mansard, until contact was made with the second dormer, the one in the dressing-room. He gripped at that edge, sliding foot against foot, the bundle almost pulling him off balance where he came against the projection. "'Hurry!' whispered Lalette. "'I can hear them!' Ahead and beyond, the roof turned. One might work round that back slope but it would only lead to the opposite side of Madame Codge's garret. Rodvard halted his sliding progress and looked over his shoulder to see the loom of the house at the back of the court, fortunately of the same height. A glance down showed another gutter, with something more than a thigh-length of black space in separation. He turned again, face-brushing slates, to make out that Lalette had seen it too. "'Shall we try it?' he whispered and then incontinently, I love you, which was for that enchanted moment true. For answer, she disengaged her hand from his and began to tuck up her skirt, leaning with cheek against the roof-slope. He swung and tossed the bundle to the other gutter, set foot on the edge where they were, teetered, and with perspiring palms, pushed himself into the long step, almost going down when the lip of the opposite gutter proved higher but it was wider as well. It held. He was able to reach a hand out and pull her across. There were no windows on this side of the other house. They found it easy to slide along leftward to the corner. And by the especial grace of heaven, there was a drain at the angle, in which Rodvard's foot caught to keep them from tumbling where the gutter ended suddenly, with the back of the building going down sheer. They both stood breathless as a window in the building they had just left cracked open. A voice said, "'No, not along the gutter there. Perhaps they jumped.' Madame Cajas' titter was raised. "'We must get more men and search.' Blalette pressed Rodvard's hand. The window closed, and they stood mute on the roof edge, finger laced in finger, for it seemed a long time. From below in the court, voices floated up clear as though they were only a few feet away, except that one could not make out the words, only that Kaja's tone was among the rest. Lalette drew him to her and whispered, "'We must go back through before she returns,' and began to lead to where they had crossed the gap. She was clearly right. They had no future there. The roof where they were had no break, was only the side of the building, which went to its peak at the front as well as the back.' The return, with its repetition of peril already overcome, was worse than the passage. Rodvard had to stand on the very edge of the gutter to swing back. Lalette followed lightly. By the time he had reached the window of the dressing-room, worked it open with one hand, and had a leg across the sill, he dared look down, and saw what might have made them earlier hesitate about making a return— namely, a blue provost standing watchfully under the lamp at the street-entrance, while two or three figures more were moving about. But like most searchers, they never looked aloft. "'Where?' whispered Lalette, as they stood in the room, and he—' "'We dare not leave the building now. Even if they were not below, the doorman will be awake. Have you seen anyone else here?' "'I have been a prisoner.' Then we must try at random whether it is true, as the priests say, that not all men are evil. Crossing the outer room, hand in hand in the dark, Rodvard stumbled against a chair, swore softly, and they both laughed under breath. A board creaked, so did the hinges of the outer door, and they were going down, each in turn tripping a little at the short end of the steps where the stairway turned. By unspoken mutual agreement, they tiptoed past the door of the outer apartment of the Fifth and to that at the rear of the house. Rodvard gathered his breath and knocked. End of chapter 5